right, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to a brand new, brand spanking new episode of Onion Skins. Uh, I'm I'm your host, Peter Peter Foltz. I, I I just realized the other day because we just released Ryan's episode that I uh, I have never I haven't introduced myself once. I have only introduced myself once at the first episode and then never again, uh, which is probably not good. But uh, today is a super special um, episode because my eyes, do they deceive me? We have two guests. Oh my goodness. We have uh, Chris Stanton, Cartoon Network story artist, uh, dog and cat lover, and voted most chill person by our producer, Will. And we have <laughs> Jess, Jessica Shu, also a, a CN storyboard artist um, and soup enthusiast. Uh, thank you both for uh, for agreeing to come on to the podcast today. Thanks for having us. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Happy to okay. be here. Yeah, you guys yeah. just yeah, just loose it up. We're just we're just buds talking. <laughs> I came in strong with this soup enthusiast uh, uh, claim. I, Chris, you weren't there for that, but we, me and Jess really got into it a couple weeks ago <laughs> about whether soup is actually like a good meal or not. I, I hate soup um, as like a meal. I just think it's the worst. Um, Jess just That's loves it. I just, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot stand the same. I, th I think it's very good. <laughs> I have to side with Jess on that. It's just salty water. It's just salty ham water. Anyways, it, it was a big source of contention for us. You haven't had us. good soup. I, I mean, I guess I've had so much soup in my life. I don't want to get hung up on this whole soup thing, but I think it's pretty integral to what I'm all about. So I felt like it was important to establish who the soup people are, I guess. So let's just kind of kind of get into this. I know both of you from from school. We all we all go to school together, or used to go to school together. In uh, in Chris's case, maybe I, I think I just kind of want to take a moment to for you guys to just introduce yourselves individually, say what you what you're all about, and um, how you kind of got to be sitting here on this podcast with. <laughs> with yours truly uh chris i i think i i'm super interested in hearing about uh about your background what is what is your deal like uh like how i got into animation yeah like how or did like... you how did you come to be at cal arts and ultimately end up working at, at cartoon network i think that's um, super cool yeah uh so i think that initially i wanted to work in video games um, I wanted to be like a concept artist for video games and then like somewhere around the beginning of high school that changed and then I realized that what I wanted to do would fit into animation a lot better and um, I started becoming more uh, interested in animation and from there I applied to CalArts and came to CalArts and explored a bunch of different like I initially wanted to be like a VizDev artist, and I still have a lot of interest in interest in VizDev. And then um, over time, I discovered I really like story, and started delving into story more. That's super cool. I think it's like I I looked at I like had to go back and look at your portfolio, and I was super blown away because it it you are so good at both. Like you it, you could slide pretty easily into one or the other. I think that's really cool, Thank especially you. it makes it makes me 
mad. It makes me mad sometimes. Because I'm like, I'm always just like, gosh, why can't people just be good at one thing? I'm struggling um, to catch up. But yeah, I think that's really great. And I think your work is super, super awesome. Uh, before we kind of move on to, I guess, the your professional life, I kind of wanted to catch up with, with Jess, who also worked at Cartoon Network for a stint. Jess, you wanna you wanna give us the sort of background on who on who you are, what you're all about. Uh, yeah, I I always like to draw, I suppose, and that's what led me to pursue a career in the arts. I mean, like a lot of other people, I didn't think I'd be doing art, but I think around um, junior year when I had to figure out what college to go to, I um, started looking into animation, and that's how I got here. I know that uh, we talked a little bit about this before the podcast started, but there, we're not allowed to delve into specifics about what you guys are working on. But I, I can imagine that they're pretty awesome things because I like all the things that Cartoon Network does for the most part. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to kind of talk, uh, I guess, more specifically about your entrance to the professional world because I think that's something that people like myself and uh, other people that feel like they're on the cusp of it or maybe just don't even know where to begin sort of struggle to to wrap their minds around. I think that's like a very sort of intimidating thing to kind of think about. So with that, I think I kind of wanted to know what was your sort of in into the respective shows that you're working on and, and what you think may be the most helpful thing that maybe helped you land, land in those gigs um, or what was the most helpful thing that helped you land those gigs? I guess uh, my answer for both of those would probably be my second year story class. Um, my in was I was basically recommended for a test by my teacher that uh, taught that class. And um, through that test, I was then able to get what the current job that I'm currently working in. And um, I think that the most helpful thing for me definitely was that class because I feel like over the course of that class, I just learned so many things uh, in regards to storyboarding and the way it was structured. You get a script and then like one week is like you thumbnail it and plan it out. And then the next like week or two, it's like rough. And then the very end of that um, process is just uh, you get like a few weeks to then clean it up. And so, yeah, it's class was pretty much it's pretty much exactly what it's like um, as like a storyboarder working. It's just like that process of you get a script, break it down into thumbs, rough it out, and then clean it up. Is almost exactly how it pretty much is working. Mm -hmm. So I was able to go into my current job with like a pretty clear understanding of like what I had to do. I, I remember uh, running into you at the... At, at the Halloween party maybe it was or like some sort of uh, event that we were having at school and you I remember you saying this is exactly like Abe's class and I only had Abe for like a little bit um, Abe is our story teacher but uh, I, I I completely get what you're talking about like I, his class really I mean I just finished it up and uh, I feel like I'm, I'm a completely different person for it after having sort of really been put through I guess what I guess what you're saying is is very similar to what the actual pipeline for for working in story is. So that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Abe and, is really nice. <laughs> His class yeah, really Abe helped is great. a lot. 
Yeah, was your experience sort of the same, Jess? I mean, I mean, what what was sort of like the real turning point for you in your in your sort of work that you were able to sort of land the gig that you're that you were in? I think definitely Apes class is a part of it. I feel like before that I was very lost as to you know what storyboarding is, or you know I had an idea of what it was, but it's uh, Abe really kind of hammers out the details and teaches you the specifics of really what storyboarding should be about. Um, hmm. But yeah, I guess my entry into, into getting my job at Cartoon Network was, I mean, supposedly I, my producer told me that they had found a comic of mine online um, hmm. and then saw my 48 hour film about this bee <laughs> uh, that's on Vimeo. And then they were really looking for someone whose sense of humor fit the show, is what they told me. And then through there, they contacted me through email and asked me to do a test. Wow. Okay. So they reached out to you directly just because of the work that you were putting out there on on social media and on Vimeo. Yeah. I think, I mean, a big part of it is luck, I would say, that they stumbled upon my stuff. I think that I think that's like a common thing that a lot of people say, is that like a lot of it is luck. Like... I mean, obviously, it, it's a lot of hard work that you and and love that you put into making the things that you want to make. But ultimately, it's like kind of a it's kind of a gamble as to whether somebody actually sees that stuff and if it really resonates with them. But you make some pretty cool stuff, um, and I think that kind of leads nicely into, I guess, my next question. And, and like I said, we can't really like you. I mean, you pointed out that we can't really get into specifics, but. We kind of wanted to know, or I kind of wanted to know, about developing sort of your own personal sensibilities and like how that helps you or sort of is a disadvantage to the kind of show that you get picked for or if you get picked for a show at all. I mean, just like I think like your work has like a lot of a, a has a horror bent to it a lot. And I, I don't think that the show that you're working on is is horror in that way um or in in any way but i i guess sort of how do you reconcile that or is has that is this something that has sort of been enlightening to you both as far as like what kind of stuff that you can make that helps you land a job or does it even matter i mean um you should make work that you want to do more of in the future i suppose Hmm. That's what everyone tells us. <laughs> and I think I, I do agree with that because it wouldn't make sense to sell yourself as something that you don't enjoy doing. I think that that's a pretty good um, way to look at it. Like the work you make and put out will usually reflect like what you're best at and what you want to do. And um, in return, Sorry, I can't find words right now. <laughs> no, it's all right. Don't worry but, about um, it. Yeah, what, what you make and put out usually reflects what you are most passionate in. And in turn, uh, I know there's a lot of people that are reached out to based on their work and the, like, the vibe it gives off and the fact that it fits in with what whatever production that reached out to them is looking for. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true. I mean, I, I I I think I struggle with that a lot when you know I'm putting together my portfolio. It's all mostly Abe's assignments in there, 
and a couple of my writing samples, but I I found that like it's very hard for me to like um feel like the stuff that I'm making on my own accord is is something that any kind of company would ever want or anybody would ever really want. So I, I kind of steer myself in that direction and I think it ultimately kind of hurt me a little bit. But yeah, I think it's like cool because you both have such unique and, and very specific sort of flavors of, of of storytelling. Like uh like Chris, your 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 film that you made last year was, was just so phenomenal. Um it didn't get into the producer show, but I really I really wished it had. I think it should have for sure. It was a really beautiful story about a um uh about a, a dog who, who passes away and floats around the city oh i cried at the end um hopefully you guys will hopefully it'll be in the show notes so that everybody can can see this beautiful film. it's actually it's not done it's i not have done. it like behind behind a password on vimeo for oh. like over a year oh that's fine. i've been needing to finish it though Man. um i'll i'll probably finish it soon i have time now so man it was really great and Jess hitting us with the second horror film in a row. Jess is always making horror films, um, and they're really great. And, which is so weird because you're like the least spooky person. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we play a lot of Jackbox games together, and you you always give like the the most happy go lucky answers, and yet your films and the stories you tell are are very spooky and scary. Which I think is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I like both, I suppose, and I wish I, I don't know. I personally want to find a better way to connect the two, and I think the bridge is there. I just have to figure out how to build it better. Yeah, I think that's a that's the real struggle of every storyteller. I think that like looking back at like I I'm right now I'm in the midst of like trying to just figure out what it is that I even like in a story or what kind of story I really want to tell. And I wrote down a list of like all this, all the interests that I have. Um, and there's, and, and it feels like the the sort of genres that they lean into are very opposite, but I really want to find a way to connect them both. Like I, I just, I just wrote down a list of like just things like musicals and puppets and <laughs> bones. I like bones, but I don't know how any of that sort of works in with uh, antiquing or camping or folk music or whatever, but yeah, all that to say, I think it's uh, I think there's a way, but I mean, the path to get there is always really tricky. I think yeah. I I kind of wanted to. Uh, I mean, you guys have both at this point had experiences in in working for in a professional setting, and what I just kind of wanted to explore some of maybe the realities about the working world uh, that's been revealed to you that maybe you didn't know about as a student or maybe are there things that you wish you would have known before working on a, on a, on a real production? Start with you, Jess. I think one thing um, I wish I had known better was how to pitch. Uh, maybe that was just the fault of us running out of time in our second semester last year because Abe did say he wanted to teach us pitching, but we never really got around to it. Mm. And that's something I had to learn on the job, and I kind of struggle with. I feel like because I'm I'm kind of soft spoken. Yeah, in, pitching uh, is pitching is a really strangers. difficult one. I remember the first week of Abe's class, he had us like pitch, and he had one person uh, in a group of people pitch for like uh, like assignment, our first assignment ever, 
and I did such an awful job at it. And uh, he like really, he really kind of uh, went in on me for, for how I was pitching. He's like, you're standing on the wrong side and you're doing this wrong. You need to project and you need to be clear with what you're pointing at. It's a, it's a, it's a real skill in and of itself that, uh, yeah, definitely is not taught a lot of times. We also didn't get a chance to really pitch again this year just because of the circumstances. But yeah, I totally see that. Chris, is there anything that sort of the working world's revealed uh, to you um, that maybe you didn't know about as a student? Um, I have the similar thing with pitching that Jess mentioned, though, uh, particularly like pitching in Storyboard Pro, like tabbing through. I feel like I always like overshoot or like I go too fast or too slow. And it's definitely a skill that um, it's hard to master. <laughs> but uh, I think one other thing is probably it's just. It's surprising how much like school it feels in a way. Like, I feel like a lot of students are really scared of uh, getting an industry job. Like I know I was, and um, but it turns out it's just it's not that scary. Everyone's really nice, and uh, so far from what I've experienced, like CalArts classes um, and like story class in particular has really prepared me for the working world and um, you're gonna constantly be learning on the job what you know and um, your like the quality of your work and like how you approach your work the first day on your job is going to be entirely different a year from then and like five years down the road Mm. Um, you're just going to constantly be learning it's like an extension of school and in my experience, it's less stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's more uh, streamlined and like a lot more because your focus isn't separated between like five different things and subjects. You you just have your one thing. That's good. Uh, I, I, I That is such a like relief to hear. I'm sure it is a, lot, a relief to hear for a lot of people who are maybe really scared. I think like that you don't hear very often in the filmmaking world that school has prepared me for the working world in fact when i was in film school they would constantly pound into our heads that this is not going to prepare you for the working world and i would always be like why why am i here like why am i even trying like why am i here um but uh yeah i i think that what CalArts does really nicely at least in the story department is like that they they seem to be able to to give us that uh sort of education that prepares us for the working world. I don't mean to like uh, try and brag too much on CalArts, but I do think it uh, that is kind of a nice thing to hear. Um, so um, now sort of, I guess, flipping the tables on, on that, now that you guys have both sort of had working experience, uh, and this, I guess, feeds really well into it, but what is your, I guess, thoughts on, on school as a whole, or like the idea of going to an art school uh, there's a lot of people who would contend that you don't need to actually go to art school. And there are a lot of successful people in animation who don't go to school. I mean, I, I guess it's sort of hard to say from your point of view because you already have gone to school. But have your sort of views on your education changed having worked in a, in a professional setting? Um, but both of us are going to... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. <laughs> We're both going to be on gap years, I think, next year, right? Uh, what was that? 
both going to be on gap years next year, right? Well, you're taking gap year right now, so I guess. Oh, I'm trying to get an extension. <laughs> oh. <laughs> two two well, years off. <laughs> well, I guess both of us will be on gap years next year. I, I personally still really like school. I think working is nice because there is that structure, as Chris mentioned, and you do just focus on what you need to do. And in school, you're a lot more divided. But in school, you also have a lot more freedom to just kind of do what you want. And uh, the stuff that you make doesn't have as much of a consequence as if, you know, you made a really bad mistake in, in the working world, I suppose. Mm. Like, you're, you're free to be more experimental with what you make. And all your failures are on yourself, um, which is kind of a nice freeing environment. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you think that that like that's something that you can sort of get though on your own now? I mean, like, the, I think the value in school for me at least is like the is in those that you get to work around. But it's sort of in in some way like what Chris was saying earlier is that it is sort of like there is a school feeling to to working in the working world. Like you get to learn and constantly grow from those experiences so in that do you think that school is in in any way still still worth your time I think it's really subjective um yeah. I think school is really helpful because like just says it lets you like experiment and find your voice non-consequentially in a very structured environment where you're with a bunch of peers but um I think especially like nowadays there's more and more like classes you can just sign up to online and different methods in which you can learn these skill sets that aren't art school. And I think it's definitely, uh, it's up to the person. I, I don't, I don't think school is necessary. Like, I think mm -hmm. that it's helpful if you want to take it. And it's definitely like a tool that is extremely helpful and helps people get jobs, but it's not, um, it's not the end all. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, there's, a lot of people in the industry who, you know, like have done other careers before coming into animation or even people who don't go to like big name art schools or whatever. Um, I mean, you're in an art, your work and your portfolio matters the most. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I, I think I definitely I resonate with the fact that, I mean, school at least has helped me sort of find my voice. Like having to constantly churn out things. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I think, yeah, it's totally on a person by person basis. Like if you are one of those people that needs, uh, can't, doesn't have sort of the self discipline to, to make yourself do something every day and expose yourself to, to other uh, ideas or people that are different or better than you, um, then, uh, then school is probably a good thing for you. If that doesn't come naturally for you like it does for me. I mean, even if it, even if it does, I mean, it definitely helps you fast track a lot of the sort of, um, experimentation part of uh, of your artistic growth as this sort of funnels into this next question but does having I guess art as an actual job change your relationship to it I mean I know you guys have sort of just started or are just touching on the first part of your career but I mean just in this first uh, experiences I mean has that sort of changed your relationship with with making art Definitely, um, yes. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question again? Yeah. Oh, no, it's no problem. Um, I was just wondering if, like, since you guys both have jobs in the arts, I mean, I, a lot of people say that it changes their relationship to it. And 
as far as like how what it looks like to make personal work outside of your actual career um and and then there are some people where it just doesn't bother them at all and they can separate that really well but i think it's always enlightening to sort of hear how people sort of deal with it once they once they have to do it for eight hours a day to pay rent and and buy groceries and stuff so i just was wondering if if that had uh was an experience that you have had to deal with yet in any way? Yeah, I mean, I think personally, um, I've kind of struggled with burnout just from having to do art both as a way to, like you said, earn money and also because uh, art started out as a thing that I did for fun and almost to procrastinate <laughs> on assignments in high school. Um, and now that it's become my career, I I do feel myself getting burned out by it if I do it too much. And I, that's still something I struggle with, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I have burnout issues a lot too. That's one thing that like in college, you should like really value your time that you have to make a lot of personal art. Cause after, once you get it, like are doing it eight hours a day, like you, you can't, then like after that eight hours then draw for another eight hours because then like you'll get like carpal tunnel at some point or <laughs> like some sort of wrist pains and um it's definitely a balance that you have to match um i find that i'm more excited to do personal art because i'm not like able to do it a lot uh so when i do find time to do it i'm really excited to do it or like i think of a lot of personal art as i'm working i also find that uh, I want to animate a lot more and like make more comics than I used to. So, and I think that's as a result of doing storyboarding like all day. For a period of time, I was going to work and also going to school at the same time last semester. And it was also around the time when I was supposed to be thinking, uh, like planning out my third year film. And I think, I mean, I thought I could handle it, and I think I did at least get all my assignments done and you know do what I needed to do. But after that, I felt I don't, burned out. Yeah, I guess we keep saying burnout. Um, I felt so tired, and I feel like I'm personally I I'm a person who needs to do a lot of different things to feel fulfilled. I can't just do only you know only one type of art, and I think that's why I started to look to other hobbies to fulfill myself. <laughs> And that, yeah. I think that is a road that some other some people take, but there are also people who just can draw like forever and ever and ever, and that's also awesome. Yeah, that definitely transitions nicely into this next part where I, I kind of wanted to talk about your your hobbies outside of drawing because Chris, you do felting, and you've been posting some pretty cool skateboard bear drawings, and <laughs> uh, and Jess, you 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 do a lot of pottery, uh, which was always a really fun thing to see you bring out some ceramic stuff. That you were working on i guess i get first i wanted to know what kind of drew you to those artistic disciplines that are so very different from from storyboarding like uh what what's so engaging about felting for you is it just that it's different or is it something that is uh i don't know that you that you have some other connection with for another reason um i definitely i definitely like it because it's not looking at a screen yeah definitely it like flexes a different like creative muscle uh Taking a design, and uh, I usually do like 2D, 2D designs of whatever I'm felting before I go into it. And it's always fun to kind of like figure out how to make those into a 3D space. 
it's also like a good stress reliever, I think. And it doesn't really require a lot of like wrist bending. Mm. A lot of it is just like you move at the elbow a lot. And so um, I think it's also kind of a chance to give my like wrist a relax. What's the right way to phrase that? Give my wrist a break from drawing yeah. so I don't get like any like wrist pains or anything while still being able to make something. I think uh, I started doing pottery because I just wanted to do something with my hands outside of drawing. I always, I've always liked working with my hands. I like to sew and I was doing sculpture for a while. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, pottery seems like a, a nice hobby to have. And we have a pottery studio at school. There's something very calming about sitting like in front of the wheel. It's probably something symbolic about a circle and a wheel as well, uh, where you just, it's, it's very calming, <laughs> very therapeutic. And also I like that there's no stakes in it. Like pottery is an art form where you make the pot and then you fire it and any mistakes that happen along the way just happen. You just gotta keep going. You have to keep making more pots. So I don't feel the pressure of like, I have to make this pot perfect. I can just keep making more pots and keep going. And it's nice. Is there anything like about those specific uh, hobbies that you have that feel like they engage you on a different level or, or aid you in the sort of work that you make professionally? I don't feel like my felt work really combines with storyboarding a lot. <laughs> um, I guess I do think about like Mary, probably like narratives of what I'm felting. Um, I've been thinking about trying to make like stop motion figures with it. Mm. So I guess down the line, maybe I'll end up like boarding out a scene to stop motion with felted uh, figures or something, but I can't think of an overlap for me <laughs> there... <at least. laughs> Just is there something about pottery that that really just that really helps you in your in your storyboarding? Uh, really, I don't think there's a connect at all. Like I kind of <laughs> I kind of like that it's separate though. It's like a, I mean that's why I like it. I think I like it because it's low stakes. It's like this has nothing to do with any of my career or anything else. I just have fun mm -hmm. while I do it. Um, but yeah, Chris, I would love to see, <laughs> I would love to see a felted um, <laughs> short film by you. That would be awesome. In time, maybe. <laughs> I figured out how to put wires to them to make them all pose out. I just need to figure out how to like weigh them down so they don't fall over because they weigh like barely anything. <laughs> you shake the table a little bit and they'll fall over. So I think the reason I was asking this like kind of this kind of dumb question <laughs> was uh, I think like it's so interesting because you know I, we were talking about Abe our story teacher he comes back he came back recently from um or a few months ago not that recently but he came back from a trip that he had taken in New York where he spent time talking to students about storyboarding and directing and he was telling us about you know the time that he spent just looking at the cathedrals and admiring another art form that wasn't related at all to boarding, but he feels, you know, he felt like reinvigorated his sense of, uh, of new and cool things that he could incorporate, I guess, in, in the kinds of stories that, that they were telling on the show that he's on. And I always think that's a really cool thing. I, that's what I keep telling myself, at least for like these past couple months, because I haven't like been drawing very much at all, but I'm like trying to find other things to really pour myself into that maybe will in some indirect way reinvigorate the kind of uh, love that I, f <laughs> I felt for, for doing boarding during the school year. Definitely something to, to think about if you 
if you're needing something else to, to do that's not drawing, definitely pick up felting or pottery. Maybe not pottery. I don't know. That one's kind of messy. I, I always hated ceramic. I, I'm not, I'm nothing against ceramics, but I just had a bad ceramics teacher a I while ago. opposite opinions on certain things like ceramics and soup. Yeah, ceramics and soup. Man, don't you dare bring me a bowl of soup in one of your handcrafted pots. I will upturn that. <laughs> I guess I kind of wanted to circle back to, because we didn't really get to talk about what your sort of day-to-day -day looks like working in the professional realm. And I kind of wanted to touch on that before we got too far um, because it's something that sort of it also feels kind of elusive. There's a lot of different sort of sources out there that will tell you different things online, at least, about what, what a sort of normal job for a storyboard artist is. So, I mean, what, is, what does sort of the week look like for, for either of you um, when, you're, when you're working? My, my everyday is pretty much the same. Uh, for the most part, I just arrive to work and then I just board all day in my office. It depends on, it varies from production to production, but um, there'll be like check-ins and pitches that you'll have. Usually I think it's about every week. Um, sometimes it can be a different amount of time. I've heard a lot of different stuff from people, but for me, I, I just go in and I board and then the, I have my check-ins throughout the month and pitches that I have to do. It's pretty consistent. I also will separate my board down into like, like if I have five days to do like, a, let's say like a rough pass, I, in my timeline view on Storyboard Pro, I'll like separate my, um, my board into like fifths to mm -hmm. then uh, every day I have like one fifth of those is my, that's my like self-imposed deadline for the day that I have to complete all of that by the end of the day. And then that helps me like hit my deadlines. I guess sort of circle back and talk about, I, is there anything that you feel like younger board artists who, who are really looking for their way into to the industry or maybe they don't have the, the greatest connections like we have maybe at CalArts, um, like teachers that will plug them in or just sort of the resources in the same way. That, is there any sort of um, advice or things that would be helpful for those people? Um, that you think that you've learned on the on the job? I think that there's a lot of resources out there that are definitely really helpful. I see a lot of storyboarders on like Twitter that post about their processes and they'll post their boards. And I think that those are really good things to look into to kind of learn from. I think social media is definitely really prominent. Uh, definitely put yourself out there reach out to people, and uh, also be just uh, learn to be really flexible and uh, really receptive to feedback. That's really important in boarding. And um, definitely just keep at it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm still also a young, <laughs> young story. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, but I think just make work that you enjoy and find, I guess, find your own voice when it comes to art and amuse yourself first and foremost. And I think you will probably do a good job of amusing others. Yeah, humor is definitely one of those underrated things that like 
I, I think like everybody believes that there's sort of a standard for it, but I think what is most appreciated is like when you have, when you know keenly what makes you laugh and you know how to craft that, um, which I think you both are really good at. Jess, I think you have a very specific uh, brand of humor that, that reads really well. I mean, we're, we were working on a project together um, in our in our free time, I guess, and I got to see firsthand a lot of that that brand of humor, which I think is great. All right, yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask the question about specialization because I... Uh, I think it's something that a lot of people who are making portfolios are kind of conflicted with. People who really like VizDev and also are maybe interested in story or maybe vice versa. I know a lot of people kind of made two portfolios. And some people I've talked to say that it really hurts you. And other people say that it's actually really helpful because it shows that you have a grasp of things in total uh, or things as a whole in the pipeline. I guess this question is it's definitely for Chris. I mean, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on it too, Jess. But just being that you came from, like, I guess a viz dev sort of place initially and then found that you really had a liking for story and now you end up working in story. Um, have you, Do you have any sort of insight as to what somebody who's building a portfolio should look to do uh, as far as specialization goes? Does, does it really even matter? I'm not. I'm not sure if it does all that much i've i've found that vizdev has helped me like being someone that like initially wanted viz to do vizdev has helped me like immensely i think with tackling some of my uh boards because uh i mean in vizdev there's so many things that are like really prominent like you know you you got to know your perspective or you you have to know uh design and how that fits into story and a lot of the times while you're doing storyboarding you'll find that you have to make a background or you have to like rough out basically like um, an environment or maybe put a design to a character that doesn't have a design yet and um, ultimately like uh, I can't I can't think that having two portfolios would hurt you Mm. Um, I mean I I got I'm currently working based on like uh, I think just um, my test and like my story work that I had on my website and I don't think that at any point my VizDev work negative impact negatively like impacted that so I think that definitely if you like both embrace both because it's no matter like whether you go into VizDev or story you'll find that um, one or the other will help you. You learn skills in both that um, are important to the other. Definitely. Jess, is there something that you've, that you've found in that regard as far as uh, what, what helps a portfolio and maybe what doesn't help a portfolio when it comes to story? Um, I don't know. I've really only done... I've done more story portfolios than I guess VizF portfolios because I did a VizF portfolio in my first year. Um, I mean, I guess I'll say this, uh, the good thing about going to CalArts, the thing that I appreciate the most is that we get to do a little bit of everything. And I really enjoy doing a little bit of everything because then it forms you into the one thing you do want to specialize in. I mean, I guess reiterating what Chris said, basically. Yeah. 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 I I think like it gets really confusing because we have a, we have like portfolio sort of workshops that, that we end up going to, um, 
during or around the time of Portfolio Day at CalArts, and um, it leaves a lot of us sort of confused. It left me definitely confused um, because you know I when especially during Portfolio Day I would go up to some place like DreamWorks or you know Disney TV or whatever. Um, these are just examples, but like I I would get very sort of different feedback on the things that they liked about my portfolio and the things that they didn't and oftentimes they felt like they were at odds like the places that i went that were more feature focused really did not like the fact that i put viz dev aspects as far as like the development part of uh, of any of the boards that i was doing uh, they, they thought it was a waste of space and they thought i should just put in boards and then there were other places that uh really liked the fact that i put that in there because it showed that i had an understanding of other things. Um, and I, I guess I know that the answer to these questions questions is always sort of rather unsatisfying in that it always just ends up being, well, it depends, you know, on who you're talking to. Um, and it's definitely sort of been a, a hard thing to kind of navigate. But uh, yeah, thank you for your insight on that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have actually listened to any other episodes. We end every episode by asking if there's anything that you guys want to plug, not like for yourselves, but like what you think people should be watching or listening to or um, consuming. Uh, we got a lot of Animal Crossing. That's obvious. I'm like one of like five people in the world who's not playing Animal Crossing. But um, is there anything that you guys feel like everybody else should be on? Like, is there anything that you've watched that really is something that is has been inspiring you for this week. Um, I haven't really like consumed any media <laughs> like for a little while. <laughs> but I was really excited uh in the last episode Ryan plugged uh Kentucky Route Zero. Um and that's been a game that I've played since freshman year of high school I think or maybe 8th grade. Because it's been released in like episodes over time, and they just recently finished the very last episode, mm. and uh, I have yet to play it. But I'm planning on after this uh, getting it on Switch because they recently, I think they developed it for Switch, and playing it through because I like to replay the entire game uh, before playing the new episodes and playing it through on Switch this time, and finally finishing it it's really beautiful it has some of the best visuals a game i've seen in a game like artistically it's it pulls a lot of inspiration from things that i feel make it very unique like i think radio plays it pulls inspiration from theater and um there's a lot like installation art and just it's really uh it's a good game. <laughs> Definitely check it out if you like like magic surrealism and very uh, interesting and well done storytelling. So, yeah, I kind of want to check that out. <laughs> I feel like I've I've been trying to just take in a lot more stuff recently to try to reinvigorate uh, my creativity. I know you were talking about that earlier, Peter. Um, Midnight Gospel really inspired me. I still haven't finished it, but the visuals are just so stunning and it makes me, I don't know, almost hopeful <laughs> in a way. I'm like, oh my God, stuff can stuff can look like this and, and be produced and look awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we talked about this, but the idea of having to like what those boards must look like for that show must be crazy. I yeah. mean, like there, there's just so much visually happening, and it like almost never matches up with like what is happening, uh, what you're listening to. So I imagine it must be really hard to keep track of and uh, figure out what happens next. I wonder how those pitches go. I mean, yeah, those are those are really great recommendations. Um, I'm recommending that people try overalls this week because I I've been wearing mine and I bought a new pair. They're coming next week, but I I I think that like they're really great for working in. They're really great for just being in, and they it's they make me feel really nice about myself. So uh, that's my plug for the for this week. You guys, uh, thank you so much for for being on. Uh, for agreeing to come on to the show and, and and inject some of your wisdom about the working world into our lives. Um, I think you're, are you the first like working people that we've had on the show? I think so, actually. Um, so thank you very much for, for being a part uh, of this, of this thing with us. Um, yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jess. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we hope to see you again next week. Uh, we got some more really great guests and some really great things going on. So uh, please um, tell people about us, I guess. And, and if not, if nothing else, just listen. Just listen again. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.